Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. It's good to have you guys in the house. Uh, it, we want God's presence to be with us every time we gather, not just to kind of sit in these seats and spend a little bit of time, but to truly encounter the living God. And that's our prayer. Every time that we get together, that the spirit of God would be moving in this place and moving in our hearts and changing lives. And I pray that your life is impacted and changed today. Uh, if, if you came on campus today and, and you saw the other end of the building, you noticed a great big hole in the wall on that side. We're getting prepared for, the, that will be the new hallway uh, goes out into the new uh, church uh, sanctuary, and so there's a lot of changes happening inside, down on the other end for our kids. We're remodeling down there. So there's a, there's a lot of things that are happening. We're going to have to be really kind of flexible in a lot of our ministries as, as the remodel is happening, and it's just a joy to be able to see that kind of thing happen. And what we're doing over this, this two-year time frame is called Boundless. And, and the reason that I kind of went with the word boundless, I was looking for something that, that would describe what we are doing that's beyond what we're doing. Because, because church really isn't four walls. It, it, it's not really buildings and, and remodeling. It goes so much further than that. And so, yeah, Boundless is a part of our giving to put up a, a new sanctuary so that we might have a, a tool, a resource to invite people to come in, hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, we want to bless our kids and give them the best environments that we can. Yes, we want, we want to expand the gospel as we increase our giving to our missionaries. But it is beyond us. It, it is beyond our ability to accomplish these things on our own. We want to make sure that God is working through us to accomplish his will so that his kingdom would grow. If you were to ask me, Chris, what, what do you see as the vision for Brookville Road Community Church? What do you see? Where are we going? Who are we? What is down the road? And I would say down the road is more than just bricks and mortar, more than us just gathering in, in a space for an hour a week. I believe that God is calling us to see changed lives that change the world. I think he has been doing that through this body of Christ. I believe he's doing it now, and I trust that God will do that in increasing measure as we move forward, that we would see changed lives that change the world, that you would be so transformed, that your world would be changed, that you would make a difference at your workplace, at your school, whatever domain God calls you in, that you would take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Jesus Christ and the transformation that's happening in your life and in the wake of your life would be a stream of disciples, a stream of people who have been transformed by the same thing that is transforming your life, and that is the living Son of God, Jesus Christ. So that's what I see in our vision as I kind of look through the front windshield of where we're going. I see some changed lives in this house that end up changing lives around the world. And you might say, well, that seems kind of grandiose, Chris. Well, just remember, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about the Spirit of God moving through us to accomplish what only God can do. And so that's what we're looking at. And so to say we're going to change lives that change the world, that's really just a dream uh, if you don't have a plan. And so how do we do this? Well, we've spent about three years now talking as elders and staff about how do we see changed lives? How do we go beyond just kind of meeting in this room and putting up buildings? How do we see changed lives? And so we said, well, we really want to inspire people to become wholehearted followers of Jesus, to be wholehearted, to be fully devoted 
to him. And again, that, that's kind of a nice thing to say, but how do we accomplish that? How do we see somebody who has the heart of Christ? Well, what was Jesus all about? So we dug in and we, we discovered Jesus was really about three relationships. He was about his relationship with his heavenly father, with God. He had a relationship with his disciples, and then he had a relationship with the world around him. And so if you and I are going to be wholehearted followers of Jesus who have a changed life by Jesus and changed the world around us, we are going to grow in increasing measure in our love for God, our love for the church, and our love for the world. How? Well, we say if we're going to increase in our love, it's going to take time. It's not going to take more money. It's not going to take more willpower on your part. It's going to take time on your part. And so if you're going to continue to love God in increasing measure, you need to spend time with him. And so we call it God time, that you would open up the Bible and you would start to read it for yourself, not, not just what you hear on the radio or what you'd hear from a pastor up front here, but what you begin to discover in the pages of God's love letter to us, that you personally would begin to pray and interact and worship with the living God on your own daily God time, corporately, weekly, we come in here and we spend time in the presence of God together. So God time, and then we talk about, it's not enough just to, to keep the, the gospel to ourselves, it's not enough to just learn and grow ourselves. We want to make sure that we're sharing that with others, with others in the body of Christ. And so we call this group time. It's one thing to come in here and kind of sit in rows and sit beside somebody that you might know, you might know their name. You really get to know people when you sit face to face, when you sit in circles, and we start doing life with one another. Now we're the body of Christ. Now, now this is the kind of church you've always dreamed of being a part of because people know you, and you can bless them, and they can bless you. They know your family. They know your struggles. When, when you're sick in the hospital, they're the first ones to come and visit you. They're ministering to you and ministering to your needs, and you have an outlet to minister to others. We call this group time. And then it's not enough just to say, well, I've got a personal relationship with God, and I, I love him, and I I love people who are kind of like me, other Christians, but we've got to love the world around us. And we call this go time, that we would get outside of these walls and at your workplace, at school, wherever God calls you, that you would share the good news, that you would find opportunities to talk about what God has been, do been doing in your heart and your life so that other people can have a relationship with God, so that they can be a part of the movement of God and that they would go out into this world. And as a result of us leaning into being wholehearted, spending time with God, spending time with one another, and engaging the culture around us, I believe we will see changed lives that change the world. And I believe that's your life. I believe that God wants to change and transform your life in such a way that you look back over your life and you say, only God could have done that through my life. To minister to my family, to minister to my neighbors, to my friends at school, to my coworkers. Only God could have used my life to bring transformation in their lives. And I believe that's what God is calling us to. Now, uh, in, in a moment here, we're gonna open up God's word and we're gonna study together Matthew chapter one and then uh, a passage in Psalm. But before we get there, uh, let, me, let me say a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, uh, as we open up your word, I pray once again that it would be life-giving now, you've promised that your word would not return void. So, Lord, as your word goes out, I pray that it would make a transformation and a change in lives today that are sitting in this room or watching on their computer. Lord, I, I pray that you can remove me out of this and that we would hear from you. Anything that I say, we can just let that burn up and go away. But whatever is from you, God, let that stick. Let that stick in our hearts and in our minds. As we lean in to hear from your spirit today, God, would you touch hearts? I thank you that each 
Each soul in this room matters to you. You have a plan, a destiny for each and every one. You have called people to yourself. And perhaps even in this moment, you're whispering to their heart and calling them closer to you. I pray they'd be receptive. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter one, uh, in the Christmas season, we're, we're gonna look at Matthew one twenty three. This We'll kind of camp out here. This will be our theme verse for the next few weeks. Matthew one twenty three says this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Today we're gonna talk about God being with us in the valley. I believe that it's easy to feel that God is with us, God is for us, when God is providing for us, when things are good in our life. It's easy to feel that you know, your, your, your walk with the Lord is good and, and God loves you when you're just getting blessed, right? When, when work is going well and you get the raise or you get the bonus, uh, when things are clicking right along, when, when your child sleeps through the night for the very first time, thank you God, yes, I sense God's presence now. Uh, God is with me when I get the front row spot at the mall. Woohoo! this is great. Uh, God is with me. Everything is good. And for some of you, you're there. You're on the mountaintop. Everything in your life right now is good. You're like, oh, this is Christmas season. Love Christmas. Going to get some presents. Get to be with family. This is wonderful. I am on the mountaintop right now. The kids are well. My job is good. I'm growing spiritually. And so for those of you in the room, we celebrate with you. Thank you, God. And yes, it's easy to sense his presence in those moments. It's when we're in the valley. When we are in the valley, it is so much harder to sense the presence of God. When things in your life are difficult and it feels like you're just trudging through this life and it's just a thick mire to get through and it's a challenge for you, those are the moments that it becomes very challenging. And some of you right now, you're in the valley and you, you know what it's like. When, when you are experiencing sadness in your life, when, when you're afraid, when you're battling depression, and some of you right now, you're, you're in the valley, you're in the lows of life. In these moments, you, you would say, I'm, I'm kind of worried. I'm worried about my job. I'm, I'm worried about you know, how we're gonna pay for Christmas presents. I, I don't know how we're gonna get through this. Some of you, uh, you've lost, a, a loved one has passed away and you're grieving and you just feel the lowest of the lows. And we know what this is like because this is life, right? We have the highs and we have the lows. We have the mountaintop and the valley. And if you were here last week, we had our testimony time in all three services and we heard about people's highs and lows in their life. And I think about those highs and lows in my own life, and I think, you know, in those mountaintop moments, it's just so great. And maybe you can think of times in your life where it was like, this is the perfect week, or this is the perfect season of my life. I remember one of those seasons in, in, in my life was back when I was in Bible college, and there were just these waves of the Holy Spirit transforming and changing the, the, the Bible students there. And I remember one season, we, we would go into the chapel. It wasn't scheduled. Uh, we would just go in and pray, and we'd pray for hours. And nobody told anybody else, but more and, people, more, and more people started coming, and we would be in there hours worshiping and praying with one another. The, the Spirit was just leading us and guiding us. It, it was as if the Spirit was there walking us among us. It was, it was thick. It was a sweet moment. I remember one of the times we went to a retreat at a Christian camp, and, uh, and we, there was a revival that broke out. Everybody began to repent. People came one at a time and began to open up their heart and their soul, and there was no judgment of those people as they, they exposed and, and confessed their sin before one another, and we repented, and the Spirit of God fell. It's just like, wow, let's not leave camp. This is fantastic. Let's stay here on the mountaintop 
But then I can think of seasons in my life where I've been in the valley and perhaps you have those moments and some of you are there now and it just seems this is a dry moment for me. This is pain. This is, this is difficulty. I'm hurting for myself or I'm hurting for my loved ones or my, my children. So all of us experience these valleys. And the valley is an interesting thing when you read about it in the Bible. The valley represents several things. Sometimes it is in the valley where the battles happen. The, the kings would come together and they would do battle in the valley, not on the, the mountaintops or the hillsides. They would be down in that valley and it would just be a bloody war. Other times the valley is seen as a place of loneliness, a place of desperation. But I wanna present to you today that the valley is the place where you and I have the opportunity to grow, to grow in such a way that we don't have when we're on the mountaintop. And so to look at this, we're gonna go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 84, um, Valley's mentioned 171 times in my English Standard Version. 171 times, this is one of those times. Psalm 84, beginning at verse five. The psalmist writes, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Bacah, they make it a place of springs. So the valley of Bacah, I had to look that name up. It, it doesn't look like it reads that way, but I had to look it up, and so it's Bacah, not like Bacah like a bird, it's, it's bacaw, like a tree. Uh, there's this tree, and the tree is known as a weeper. It actually oozes sap. And so in this valley, they believe, in the valley of bacaw, uh, they, they have, all I can hear now is the bird in my head. Uh, they have these trees, and, and so other places in the Bible, you will see listed the valley of tears, or the valley of weeping. That's this place. And in this valley, it was, it was a very difficult place to get through. The, the terrain was challenging and difficult. That's why the psalmist says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Every now and then, what we need to have happen is to have added strength to us in the valleys that we go through. In the valley of this life, we need more than just our strength. And I would venture to say that for those of you that don't have a relationship, a personal relationship with God, there are moments when you're in the valley and you'll say things like, I can't do this anymore. I can't go any further. I can't take another step. This is beyond me. I'm out. I'm done. Forget it. And for those of you that don't have a relationship with God, when you get in the low moments of life, what you have is all you have. Like that's it. Your resources are done. But for those of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ, we realize that there is a strength that comes from the outside of us. There is a strength that comes from heaven that is available for us. Now when we get to the end of our resources, it is not the end of all resources because there is a God in heaven and his resources begin to flow in our direction. We have access to a heavenly strength. And that's why the psalmist said, blessed are those whose strength is in you. You, because you're gonna need some added strength to get through this life, to get through this valley. Over and over in scripture, we find God being, being uh, described as one who has magnificent, magnificent strength, strength that is available for us. The scriptures say, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my refuge and strength. Paul says in Acts chapter 17, he says, in him we live and move and have our very being. 
God is the source of our strength. God is the one that gives us the strength to continue on. In fact, God is the one who is providing your very next breath. All of our needs are found in him. He is the one that causes our heart to beat. He is the one who gives us strength to move from this step to the next step to get through the valley. And so for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, when we are at the end of our rope, the Bible tells us that it is in those moments when we are weak that his strength is then made perfect in our weakness. And so I would just say today that if you find yourself in the middle of a valley, in the middle of difficulty and pain in your life, you have a very real God, a very powerful God, who is all-knowing and all-loving, who wants to move in your direction and to help you and to assist you through the valley that you find yourself in. You are not alone. Blessed are those who find their strength in God. It doesn't say blessed are those who make it on their own. It's not saying blessed are those who pull themselves up by their bootstraps. It's not saying blessed are those who are just really, really determined to fight through and get through this life. See, friend, you, you weren't created to be independent. You were created to be dependent. Now, I know that's hard for us to hear in, in our culture because all of us want to be really strong and really tough and really independent and make it on our own, but you were made by God to be dependent on God and to be dependent on others. Blessed are you when you realize that you don't have all that you need on your own. Blessed are you when you realize that you are not sufficient to save yourself, that you are not the source of all knowledge, that, that you don't have the ability to, to manage and organize and orchestrate your life, let alone everybody else's life around you. And I see far too many people who find themselves in a position where they believe, well, I'm self-reliant. I'm a self-made person. Uh, they're filled with pride. They're, they're very uh, selfish, and they just think about themselves, and they won't bow their knee to God. And, and I don't know, for some of you in the room, perhaps your heart is in this place where you're thinking, I really don't need God because I'm a strong person. Now, I'm not sure how low your valley would have to go before you would bend your knee to God and say, God, I can't do this life on my own. I can't save myself. I can't overcome sin and temptation. I'm going to need you. I'm not sure when that moment will come for you, but I pray that that moment does come where you come to this moment where you admit your need, that your strength is not enough, your mind is not enough, your good works are not enough, and you need your creator to see you through, to give you strength. This is what it says in verse five. In whose heart are the highways to Zion. Now other translations of, of this verse says uh, we're on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. On a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Three times a year, uh, Jewish people were expected to, to make the trek to Jerusalem and to worship God at the temple. So three times a year, people would begin to make their way and Jerusalem, Zion, sits on top of a hill. So they would have to come through valleys in order to get up to the place of God. So we, we may be in a valley in our lives, but our, our eyes are lifted up and we are looking then to Zion. We are looking to the city of refuge. We're looking up to the mountain of God. It's also known as the place of peace. Yes, we're in the valley. Yes, things are hard. But as we are making this journey, making this trek, we have lifted eyes and we are focused on God because that is 
our destination. Every now and then in your life, you've got to push through the the pain in your life to get to the presence and the provision of of God. This pilgrimage that we're going through in this life, yeah, there's some great moments and we're on the mountaintop, but in those moments that we're in the valley, you push through that valley, you don't give up on God, you don't take your eyes off of him, you keep your eyes lifted and saying, I'm on my way to the mountain of God, he is the one who offers me peace and will see me through this moment in my life. So your, your current situation might be the valley, but you're passing through the valley. And your mind can be set on God. Like everything in you right now might be like, well, my soul is aching, but my mind is set on God. My, my emotions are kind of swirling around right now, but my focus is on him. You might be saying, well, there's, it's a busy season, I've got too much to do and too little time, but I'm gonna focus on God. Some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not sure how we're gonna pay for Christmas. I don't know how emotionally we're gonna get through Christmas because there's an empty seat at the table where our loved one used to be. There may be some very real tragedies in my life right now, but I'm gonna go ahead and I'm just gonna lift my eyes and continue to look up to the mountain of God to get to the place of peace. That's how we get through that valley. You say, he is, he is with me. God is going to see me through this valley and walk with me. I, I need him. And I need him every hour, and he is sufficient to meet all of my needs, and I'll continue to walk with him through this valley. My eyes are up, my mind is set on the living God, and I am just simply passing through this valley. There's another very encouraging passage that I like around Christmas time. It's in Luke 2.1. In Luke 2.1, I remember a comedian by the name of Mark Lowry saying that the most encouraging verses in the Bible, Luke 2.1, and it came to pass. It did not come to stay. And it came to pass. Some of you are in the valley right now, but you will not be there forever. It came to pass. I know that when I get in those moments and I'm in the valley, it just feels like, will I ever get through this? Will I ever get to the end of this valley and start making my way up the hill, up to the mountain of God once again? Friends, the things that come our way, it is a season. It came to pass. Even if the valley that you are in right now is the doctor saying you have weeks or months to live, that is a valley and you are on your way to the mountain of God. You are making your way to the place of peace because this earth is not all that there is. This valley does not have to be the end. There is a mountain of God that we can climb. That's why the psalmist David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And I picture David writing that, and David is uh, the shepherd boy. Remember, that was his profession. And I picture the little shepherd boy with his hand in the hand of the great shepherd, seeing him through the valleys of this life. And that's for you and for me. The trials and difficulties of this life, and yes, this life is painful, is not the end, it is a season And the Bible tells us, in fact, that it is a very short season, that our life is like a vapor. That valley you are in, compared to eternity, a blink. Tells us in the book of James that the judge is at the door. (laughs) That, That God is about to walk through the door and send his son back, or perhaps call us home. And that valley of this life, the valley of Bacaw that is challenging and difficult, we can have our eyes fixed on the mountain of God and this is not the end and we have nothing to fear. It goes on in verse six, it says this, as they go through the valley of Bacaw, 
they make it a place of springs, which is a really interesting thing. So I, you, you look a little bit deeper and you find in the King James Version, there's a little footnote that says, they make it a well. So if you can picture a, a valley, and the valley is very dry, it's kind of a desolate place. If you're gonna be in the valley for a period of time, you're gonna need some water. And so if you're in the valley, you dig a well so that you can collect the water that God will eventually provide so that you can continue to live. And so in our lives, we need to make provision for God even when we're in the valley. We need to have some steps of faith in our life while we're in the valley, not to turn our back on him, not to say, well, you're, you're never coming through for me, but to have a little bit of faith and trust, no, in this valley, in this moment, God will meet with me. He's, he's saying something like this. If you show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. If you dig it, I will fill it. If you look for me, you will find me, I will show up. So God is looking for us to begin to exercise our faith right in the middle of the valley. I think some of the sweetest moments in my life are the valley moments, the moments of pain. In the moments of pain in my life, if I can begin to refocus outside of that valley and lift my eyes to God and begin to worship him in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the trial, I think those are some of the sweetest moments, not just for me, before my heavenly father, who knows that I will not turn my back on him, who knows that I will not blame him, but I will worship him in the middle of the valley, that I will continue to pursue him, that you and I would have faith, faith in the valley. I mean, Jesus is often showing us this in the New Testament. There's this moment Jesus is encountering a guy and, and the guy has a withered up hand. And, and instead of Jesus saying, you know what, I'm just gonna heal this guy. He says to the man, extend your hand. And as the man makes the move, his hand is made well. There, there's another moment where there's a man who's crippled and, and he, he's on a mat. He can't move. And Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. The man needed to pick up his mat. He needed to make the move and then he was healed. If you were here last week, we looked at Luke 17 and there, there are 10 lepers. And Jesus tells those 10 lepers, go show yourself to the priests. They weren't healed yet. They start to walk to the priest, and then they were healed. There's another moment. There's a man who's been blind from birth, and Jesus makes clay, and he puts it on the man's eyes, and then he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man goes in faith, and he washes his eyes in the pool of Siloam, and then he can see. Well, God is saying, you extend some faith my way, I'll show you my faithfulness. If you dig it, I will fill it. You look for me, you will find me in the valley. You gotta press in and continue to pursue God right in the middle of those low moments of your life because he is available for you. God is not silent. If you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, God says. And so for some of you that are in the valley right now, maybe you're gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna take this opportunity and I'm gonna dig a well. I'm gonna make some faith, some space in my life to look for the provision of God. And as you continue to press into him, eventually you will find God's provision. And that is a sweet, sweet moment. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. God didn't promise you that you would never go through a valley. He promised you that you wouldn't have to go through the valley alone. God with us, Emmanuel, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And the reason that he was going to be with us is because we were separated from him. 
when our parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, when they decided to rebel against God, what began to happen is a dark cloud of sin, a thick fog of sin settled over this planet, and it began to separate us from God and separate us from others. And God wasn't content that we would be separated from him and lost in the darkness of sin. So in a moment of time, he sends his son, the light of the world, to pierce the darkness so that we might once again be able to walk out of the valley of darkness and find the place of peace. That is who Jesus is and what he's doing. So as we journey through the valley life, as we journey through the valley of Bacaw in the strength of God, looking up to the place of peace, it says in verse seven, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. So those that are trusting in God, they go from a little bit of strength to a little more strength, to even more strength, to even more strength. As you begin to take one step with God in the valley and you trust him, you get a little stronger and a little stronger. It's really, really easy to praise God on the mountaintop. It's when we're down in the valley that we begin to truly see his character, that we truly begin to lean on him because there's nothing that we have that we can lean on. We become dependent upon him in the valley. It, It was in the valley of my own life when I found myself in just a dark pit of sin and just at the very end of my rope, emotionally and relationally, physically in pain and spiritually a mess, running away from God. And it was in that valley that Emmanuel, Jesus, moved in my direction and said, Chris, what are you doing here? I didn't make you to live in this valley. I'm calling you higher. And so I put my hand in his hand, still a sinner, still a mess, and yet loved by him. And he led me out of that valley and up the mountain. And ever since then, there have been some valleys in my life, but I've never ever been alone again. I have a friend. And his name is Jesus, and he walks with me through the valley, and then we get to the mountain, and then there's another valley, and there's another challenge, but I have never, ever been alone, ever. You lean into him in the valley, and then his strength becomes your strength. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Well, because Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. God in the valley. And the good news is, Our God can be known in that valley. And so my question for you is, do you know him? Not like do you know about him, not like do you know about Christmas or about his death on a cross or even about Easter. Do you know him? Do you walk with him? I I would hate, hate, hate for you to go through the valleys of this life alone thinking that it depended on you and your strength and your sufficiency. I would hate for you to go through another Christmas not realizing the gift of God with us. I started thinking about just how how deep and rich the truth of God becoming man. And I always go back to the book of John. John was a disciple of Jesus. Jesus passed by James and John. He said, follow me. And so John was one of the disciples. He walked with Jesus for three years. He heard God. Jesus is God. He heard God teach. 
He saw Jesus perform miracles. He saw him die on a cross, and then he saw him rise from the grave. And because he was a changed life, he wanted to see other lives changed for the glory of God. And so he put down in writing his experience. In John 1, he begins like this. John says, in the beginning was the word. And the word here is Jesus. We understand this in context. So when, when you see the word word, the word is Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is God. And if you, you ever hear somebody say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God, that's not true. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. I'm, I'm equal to God. And that made so many of the Pharisees mad. He said, he said if you've seen me, You've seen God. So Jesus, little baby Jesus, in the manger, God, the Word, God. He was in the beginning with God. And so in, in the beginning can be in the beginning like eternity past the point where you never get to the beginning of the beginning because you can draw a line and then when you get to the end of that line, you can draw another line, get to the end of that line, and you can just keep going to eternity past. And he was in the beginning. And in fact, he was in the beginning of this pale blue dot we're living on, just spinning in space. He was there in the beginning. He was not the one who is created by God. He, Jesus, is the creator. And just so people understand that, he then writes, all things were made through Jesus. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Which means that we can look around in the room right now and everything that you lay your eyes on, Jesus made that. And you say, well, I'm I'm looking at some other people and I think I'm not sure Jesus made them. Yes, he did. Yes, there was some procreation going on, but Jesus made them. The chairs that you're sitting on, Jesus, those chairs were made by Christ. I know you're thinking, oh, they were probably made in China. Well, he made the person who made them. The material, the the fabric, the, the, the metal in there, he made all of it. He created all of it. All things were made by Jesus, and the scripture says that in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. The reason that you and I have particles that are being held together and we don't just kind of like explode into space is the word of Christ, the smallest little particle being held together right now by a sound vibration came from the lips of Jesus, who is God. And then he writes, in Jesus was life and the life was the light of men. So the power source for every single thing to have life came from Christ. He is the source of life and he is the light. And he says, the light, Jesus, shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So blanketed over this earth because of sin, we were separated by that thick fog of sin. And through that Jesus Christ penetrated that darkness and the darkness could not overcome it and it could not even stop God in the flesh being born as a baby in a manger. The darkness did not overcome it then and it will not overcome it now in your life. And the word became flesh. And watch this. And dwelt among us. Emmanuel. God with us. And then John says, and we, speaking of the disciples, and we 
have seen his glory. Going back, hearkening back to the resurrected Lord busting out of that tomb in resurrected glory. We've seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the sinless Son of God who moved in our direction, who moved in the direction of people who are hurt and broken and lost in the valley of sin. He moved in our direction because he loves us. He loves us and he leaves heaven to come to this earth to become Emmanuel, God with us, and he loves us as we are. But he didn't love where we were. And so he leaves heaven and he comes to earth and he's placed in that manger as a baby. And for 33 years, he lives an absolutely perfect life. He never sinned, not once. And then at the age of 33, he was hung on a cross and he bore my sin and your sin. The penalty that was due you was placed on God in the flesh. And he died there. And he was placed in a tomb. But the darkness could not overcome Christ. And three days later, he rose from that tomb victorious, conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave. So that anybody, and this includes you, could receive forgiveness and experience life and no longer wander in the darkness. But to have a relationship with him, to go up the mountain of God to the place of peace. And I would invite you to become his disciple. Not just simply somebody who knows about God, who knows about Jesus, but somebody who trusts him. That you would begin to pursue him because he's been pursuing you. And he's ordained a moment just like this for you to come to the end of yourself and your self-sufficiency and say, I can't do it on my own. Not another step not without you, my creator. And I'm not promising you when you become a Christian that there are no more valleys. Oh, there'll be lots of valleys. In fact, it may become harder when you become a Christian. People may look at you differently. You may have to say no to some things that you've been saying yes to. Some people will walk away. But I'll tell you what, you'll never be alone. He will always be there for you to walk with you through the valley to the mountain of God. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, I have no idea what your Holy Spirit is doing in hearts, but I know there are some hearts in this room that are far from you. And so in this moment, for those of us that understand what you are doing, we say yes. Yes, Lord Jesus, I need you. I can't make it through this valley on my own. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross, for paying the price I owed. Thank you for rising from the grave, defeating the darkness, defeating sin in my life, giving me life eternal. I make you my Lord. I pray that you would make me new. From this day forward, as best as I know, I'll walk with you. You lead I'll follow. Father, for each heart that's prayed that, I pray, Lord, that they begin this journey through the valley out of sin, and as they walk, that you would lead them and that you would guide them, that they would find you sufficient for every single need that they have, 
that they would have a white hot desire to know your word to study your word to speak to you that you would speak to them and they would hear from your spirit Lord we thank you for what you're doing in lives we thank you for changing our lives we thank you for walking with us through this life in your name we pray amen once again thanks for listening If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.